What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of the Empowerment Perspective Podcast. So this episode, we sit down with the creator of the Pillars of Hamilton, as well as the owner and principal of the Reed School in Hamilton, Mr. Sam Seitels. Listen as we talk about everything from fatherhood to pro wrestling to education. As always, stay empowered. If you were still trying to build those kind of memories, you'd kind of, you'd be a loser, man. Like, you ever see people like that, it's like, no, you know, you got to live for your kids now and and find a love for that. Find the fun in that. Of course, live, do your own thing, have your own hobbies. Um, But yeah, having a a selfish outlook on parenting, you shouldn't be parents. It's the Empowerment Perspective Podcast, hosted by Demiso Josie and Mr. Kareem Spence. Stay empowered. Stay empowered. All right, welcome to yet another episode of the Empowerment Perspective Podcast. I go by the name of Dr. Demiso A. Josie, and I'm floating solo today. Um, got a special, special guest in the building, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, just some housekeeping things. Thanks for those people who are following us on the Empowerment Perspective uh, podcast and our Empowerment Perspective group. We have some major things we're working on. We're always working on major things. Um, San Antonio, to my friends down in Texas, we'll be down there to the Innovative School Summit in November. Uh, I think it's uh, we're down there on the 15th. Uh, sorry, 14th, 15th, and 16th. Check us out, How to Reach and Teach Today's Hip Hop Generation. Um, so make sure you... Uh, Go down there and, you know, come learn some things from us. Um, we also have on December 7th, our third annual toy drive is coming back. Uh, we donate toys to CHOP, um, the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, um, making donations to those uh, families out there. So if you cannot make it to the party, if I didn't send you an invite, hit me up. Um, you can always donate a toy, unwrapped toy, and we uh, do that. We also have our food drive coming up for the holidays for uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, so we're still looking for some uh, needy families and organizations out there for that, but we will be collecting food um, and putting together some packages for some families during the holiday season. It's that time of the year um, where we do give back. Um, we love to do it here at the Empowerment Perspective, um, and that's what we're all about. So, I want to introduce the world <laughs> to um, somebody I just met not too long ago. Um, my understanding, he was a former professional wrestler. Um, he's in education, uh, runs the Reed School over there. Is that Hamilton still? It's in Hamilton. Oh, Hamilton. Yeah, yeah so, always in Hamilton. Always. So, um, highly recommended um, for me to be on this podcast. And, you know, if you heard um, my podcast with the Pillars of Hamilton, he's a uh, expert in podcast land. Whoa! Uh, so <laughs> expert. Right? Now you're setting the bar high for me. Absolutely. I did it to you. Absolutely. Got to give it back. Gotta wow. Give it back. But, um, uh, Sam tells that's how you say it, right? Yes, sir. tells welcome to the Pirate Perspective Podcast. How you doing, sir? I'm doing It's weird being on this side of the I microphone. Know, I know. This is what I've been doing to people? Yes, yes. I felt the same way on your show. I was like, I came home to my wife. I was like, I don't know. It felt kind of weird. <laughs> it's like I'm I've done a million of these now. Ask some questions. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Interesting. So we're going to get into your story and some of the things that you got going on. Uh, but we have a segment here called Take a Personal on our show. And usually Mr. Petty's here and he answers the question. So I'm going to give you a scenario. You're simply going to answer, am I taking this too personal? Okay. 
So, um, this has been happening to me for a long time. Um, I've been speaking a lot and doing a lot of programs, and wherever I go, I see people kind of stealing my ideas. Um, and I kind of feel like, you know, it's in the spirit of helping other people. I shouldn't really take it too personal, but it's happening and happening and happening. Um, to the point where it's like very identical things. Um, I had some of you know I have the 10-day film challenge out there. Um, there was a, a teacher out in Jackson, New Jersey that stole the idea to the T, but they only kept it in New Jersey. Then I have some things coming up in the future um, that I share with some people, um, and they stole the idea again. But it's in the spirit of helping people. Should I be taking this personal that people are stealing my ideas, or should I just let it go? You should be taking it personal. But also let it go. Mm. Let me explain myself. Okay. First of all, I'm realizing every time you say something, I'm like, me and this guy have so much in common. (laughs) Me too. Like, I'm always coming up up with stuff for the camp, for the school. Mm. And then all of a sudden, I see another school doing it. I'm thinking, wait a minute. Mm. How dare they? Right. But then I think to myself, hasn't everything been stolen and stolen Mm. and stolen again? Um Every idea comes from other ideas, right. um, and in the and, and you you hit the nail on the head. It's like it's for the kids. Um, and what are you going to do about it? You're going to go to them and tell you to tell them to stop using your ideas. You can't use it on your kids. Absolutely. <laughs> you got to understand something. See, I come from the hip hop generation in that era where you couldn't say somebody else's rhymes, or else you you would get angry at that person. Like you, it was about being authentic. Is but it not like that anymore? It's not like that anymore. People steal stuff all the time now. But back oh. then, I'm talking back in like the '80s, late '80s, '90s. They called it biting. You couldn't bite somebody else's lyrics, and then they would confront you about you know copying their lyrics so i come from this generation like be a little bit original and you know i should confront these people i feel but yeah in the well spirit of helping i get it yeah so i've dealt with the same thing and what i do is i take it personally and then i let it go so you I know should take it personal for a second yeah just a second because you should man you thought of it you're the one who put in the work you're mm-hmm. the it's your it's your child you right. birthed it but what are you going to do, man? People. I was petty. So the, the competition guy that stole the competition, I signed up as a school to be a part of No, the you did it. Yes. No, you did it. <laughs> I'm very, very petty. I've thought about doing that. I've thought about being like, hmm, let me get a little insider, find out how they're doing Absolutely. that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, exactly. let it go, brother. All right, I'll let, let it go. go. I'll let it go. You'll do it? All right. Yeah, I'll let it go. So let's get into it a little bit, because you're not from New Jersey, right? No, nah, I've been all over the place, oh, man. Okay. So uh, where were you born? Born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. Really? Midwestern boy. Seriously? Yeah. My nephew's out there playing for Wash U out there. Oh, no way. My yeah. parents went to Washington University. Okay. Yeah. That's where they met. Uh, then I went to Florida, and if, if you've heard stories about Florida, they're all true. <laughs> you know, it's a crazy place to grow up in when you're a teenager. All right. Um, moved to New York City, and uh, now I'm in Hamilton. I know New York City to Hamilton. It's crazy, right? How did you get to Hamilton? So my wife and I were teaching mm. in, in the city. Mm. Pays pretty good. Mm. We had kids in the city. Not a good place to raise kids. Mm-hmm. So we leave the city, we buy a house, and we're commuting into the city. And it, I mean, commuting into New York City right. with a baby, mm-hmm. it is something else. Um, those were the dark times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eventually we just decide we need to go out and find a job near us. Mm-hmm. Like I said, New York City paid well. Right. We're going from one school to another, and uh, you know, nobody's offering us like half. Yeah. It's like half. <laughs> So eventually we go to this one school. The, the, the principals are about to retire. Mm-hmm. They look at us and they say, you know, we, we've been looking to 
give this school or sell the school to some people that would take good care of it. Would you be interested? Of course, we said no. <laughs> take over a school. Like, who thinks about that? Um, but a month later, you know, we the conversation started and uh, push come to shove. Uh, we worked our way to owning our own school. It wasn't that school. We actually went to several, but uh, it wasn't until we saw uh, the legend that is Miss Dina mm. at uh, Reed Preschool in Hamilton uh, that we found what would be our best lives. Wow, that's crazy. So was education always like the plan for you? <laughs> Bro, if you were to tell my teachers that I was going to be a teacher Uh, one day, (laughs) they would have been scared. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I wasn't even interested in learning when I was a kid. I was I was one hundred percent into. I was into learning Uh pro wrestling. Uh, Very obsessive, man. This was the era like Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Met him. I could show you a picture of me and him together. Yeah, I, I asked him before my match. I said, "Hey, man, do you mind if I jump off the top rope? I know what you're moving." He's like, oh, brother, you do whatever you want, dude. I'm just like, okay, Jimmy Snuka. <laughs> That's funny. So you had a character and everything? I had many, many characters, yeah. yeah. What was your favorite one? Uh, mm, it's hard to say because mm. so many of them are, are, are very personal to me. And some of them I don't like sharing. Mm. You know, I'm a principal of a school now. Yeah. Uh, I take care of kids. And, uh, you know, pro wrestling, you act like a character, right. just like any actor in a movie. And right. if you were to show... Uh, maybe your kid something Brad Pitt did in Fight Club you'd be like I don't want that guy teaching my kid so I keep the two worlds separate Mm -hmm. but at the same time I take everything that I learned with pro wrestling Mm -hmm. with me when I'm teaching when I'm talking to parents when I'm doing my thing so these characters personal like how do you develop those things or is it something that you've seen somebody else's life and like how did you come how you come up with the idea you don't talk about specifically character but the process of becoming well there's a a thing pro wrestlers um like to say and that's uh, magnify your personality times 10 mm-hmm. so I just started off with that mm-hmm. you know I was just acting I'm a pretty energetic guy I've been told um, so I did that times 10 I was wild jumping off the top rope sticking my tongue out you know jumping into the audience you know <laughs> I just like brought the thunder whenever I came yeah. out there you know <laughs> um, and from there we just found different characters like you know there's a you know, if you didn't know, there's like a good guy and a bad guy. guy. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I would turn that into a. Usually, I was a good guy, but I would turn into a bad guy, and then I was like real mischievous and pulling some mean pranks, even on the yeah. audience members. And um, yeah, that's how you do it. If you're not if you're not true to yourself in wrestling, people see right through mm-hmm. it. You see Hulk Hogan, you see Ultimate Warrior, you see Macho Man, Randy Savage, The Rock, those guys. They're great because they're also like that in real life. Right. Let me tell you something. When I met Macho Man Randy Savage, it was like meeting Macho Man Randy Savage. Wow. And I was just hanging out, You're sitting right. down with him, just chatting, wow. you know? That's interesting. So I, I, I saw a picture recently, Halloween was just the other day, and I seen you. I think you were on the float of, of some sure sort. Sure was, so sir. I, I can see the transition of how you're using the, the wrestling yes. characters and, and doing something, you know, bringing it to something that you love. Was it a school float or just was? Yeah. <laughs> uh, first of all, shout out to my teachers, man. Mm-hmm. That was all them. They We got first place, and let me tell you something, little secret. They did that in like one day, wow. <laughs> one panicked day. <laughs> wow. uh, but yeah, they they made it look beautiful. And yeah, I take my pro wrestling there. You know, my favorite part, man. So I was Maui. You ever see Moana? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you have daughters. Yeah, of course absolutely. you have. I've seen it a thousand times. Uh, so I knew that character. Mm-hmm. 
And so I'd, I'd be looking at all these adults, you know, looking at them saying, of course, you're staring at me. You're a Maui. <laughs> and I, when I would say that, they'd be like, oh, do I keep looking? Do I look away? <laughs> me and my little kids are like staring at you like, it is him. <laughs> <laughs> it's really Maui. It's crazy. It was fun. And that's oh. how cool is that that I get these kind of opportunities in Hamilton to right. still get to be out there and uh, to be a showman to some degree, right. you know? It's right. fun. So where did your passion come from to teach? Like, where did that come from? Okay. Especially since you weren't going that route to begin with. Yeah. Well, not to be cheesy, but I always was very uh, motivated to do something important with my life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just been in my head since I was a kid. I think I got that from wrestling, too. You know, lessons maybe a Hulk Hogan told me or something <laughs> like that. Um, and one day, uh, a friend of mine asked me if I wanted to work in an aftercare program mm-hmm. at a school. I was like, with kids? <laughs> He's like, yeah. I was like, all right, whatever. Right. And I go there, and I'm finding that I'm really loving it. But it's in Florida, and it is hot out mm-hmm. there. So after a while, I finally just said, you know what, kids? Let's go inside to a classroom uh, against what my boss said. Mm-hmm. So she fired me that day. She said, uh, you know, Sam, if you're not going to listen to me, leave. Rightfully so. People, you got to listen to your bosses. Right. Come on now. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to go in there right now. We'll come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the next day I'm going into high school and uh, I get this phone call. The principal, uh, my principal, says, uh, Sam, someone's calling you from your job. And I was like, that's funny. I don't have a job anymore. And it's uh, the principal saying, you know, a lot of parents are calling and they're going to take their kid out of the school or out of the cam- uh, the aftercare program. Um, you know, we could work it out. Would you like to come in? And they had me come back in. I asked for a raise with that. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> I got the hours I wanted. Nice. And uh, that wasn't the favorite part. My favorite part was um, I got nervous. I was walking in. I was going to see these people. You know, I'm not a very confrontational guy. Um, I didn't know how it was going to go down. But I walked in, and this sea of children just ran towards me yelling out, Mr. Sam, <laughs> and just gave me this hug. And they're walking with me towards the playground. The whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, you know, maybe I could do something with this. Like, mm-hmm. uh, maybe I can. Mm-hmm. I didn't take it too seriously because, you know, pro wrestling was still my life. Uh, I figured, you know, maybe I'd major in education and see where that took me. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, and here I am, you know. crazy. And, and these were little kids, right? Like, they were, like, elementary age. These were fourth and fifth fourth graders, graders that I was taking care of at the time. Right, right. And, I, and I've been on every single level of education, and I find it interesting. Like, kids now come hug me because they're in elementary school, and, and then when they get older, like, that love for their teachers kind of goes away. I don't understand what what happens. Oh, I'll tell you what I tell my kids. <laughs> when they leave fifth grade, I say, look, something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Don't talk to me for a couple of years. <laughs> Something's going to happen. Right. It's true. I used to teach seventh grade PE. Mm-hmm. Um, I would teach all the other subjects, but I would have my former you know, history students who were in fifth, sixth grade before, I would have them now in like sixth or seventh grade in PE. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I would loathe that moment of the week. Mm-hmm. They were so mean to each other. Yeah. So mean to each other. Yeah, yeah no more hugs then. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. The hormones start to go crazy. That's it. And then it's all downhill from there. Happened um, to me, too. I don't know about you, sir. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah, I can say. I, don't, I was never warm and fuzzy to any of my teachers growing up. Oh, really? Not really. I mean, I was 
a decent kid that behaved in class, but it was I don't remember a teacher. I was hugging like, oh, I'm Maybe glad didn't. to see such and such every single day. Do you attribute that to the teachers at all, or just who you were at I that time? I think it was just who I was, especially because I was going through so much stuff. Yeah, we talked kinda, about it. Yeah, you know that that kind of thing. Um, but it's interesting. I actually ran into a um, parent in Wawa the other day whose kid now went to is at the middle school, and she was like, "What a big difference!" Like you know, the staff, the elementary school was fun they had personality and then here's you know kid now it's all business mm. and me and my, my partner um, Kareem Spence we talk about and when we go talk to educators we need to bring the fun back into teaching I don't care what grade that you're in middle school high school um, you the the kids should want to come to school to have fun and learn at the same time um, it doesn't necessarily always have to be business all the time well, that's my ultimate goal because mm-hmm. I never had fun when I was a kid in school. Right. I would spend my days like eight hours a day daydreaming. Mm-hmm. That was my that was my life for many years. It's crazy to say that now, and I hope no one like looks <laughs> down on me like here's this principal who didn't pay attention in school. Yeah. But that's how it was. It, I, I had to self educate myself yeah. um, while I was a teacher. <laughs> you know. Well, listen, um, I I would also talk all the time and try to get my students, or specifically the older kids that can understand it, is that. You, when I ask them, I say, what is the job of a teacher? And they'll say to teach. I said, the problem with that is it makes you passive. You're waiting for somebody to give you something. Mm. You need to be more active and go after your education. Realistically, if you did that, if every student went in there and really went after their education, the teacher could just come in and say, there's a test on Friday on this and walk out the room, especially with today's technology and everything. And I can look and Google anything that I want and get the information from. Stop being passive learners and be more uh, aggressive with your education. Go take your education. You know what I mean? A lot of what I've learned in my life is because I've, I've learned it, not because somebody taught it to me. Even at this age, that's why I read so much and that's why I do so, so many things. I'm still in that mood. Yeah, and you have to get them wanting to learn themselves. Or um, Let me go back to that. Let me uh, rewind because I was thinking of something. Do you think that anything has to do with the curriculum, the fact that it's math and language, math mm-hmm. and language, math and language. But here's Johnny over here who really wants to know about rhinos, right. oh, <laughs> you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And I, we talked about it a little bit on your podcast, too. I think there's a difference between content and, and skill development. We're so worried about the content part of it. That's why you have, well, I have to uh, learn specific these periods in history or I have to learn writing and these things. Uh, not, I wouldn't say writing, but the content of whatever it is the curriculum is saying as opposed to just the skill if they really focused on the skill then we go back to the student and say well what is your interest like how you know you're into wrestling so mm-hmm. i'm going to use wrestling for you to learn these particular skills if my teachers did that back in the day i'd be a genius right now <laughs> <laughs> education needs to be more personal it does what is that what you, is that why you think it's not fun anymore do you think it's just not personal? They're just trying to get that information out there and into their heads? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And I think a big part of it is the system that we live in in the society. Right? Especially you talk about capitalism. There's a winner and a loser. Mm. It has to. That's how the system works. And big time here. Big time so, winners, big time losers, right? right? So, and it's almost that same way in, in education. Uh, otherwise, what are you really giving out grades for? Why are you measuring schools against schools? Right. You have, it, it's all it's based upon competition. Somebody's going to have to lose at some point. So then they'll say, well, all right, well, here's the bar. I set the bar. Your, your school's failing because now you aren't at this particular bar. But that school, if you look at the history of that school, they may be 
had the biggest progress that they've had in years. Right. But because they don't meet this standard across the board, they're seen as, you know, a failure. And everything's it's, it's too competition-based. Yeah, and it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. We're all in this together. Right. If you want to go to uh, have a competition, go out there in basketball courts and play. You know, mm-hmm. this classroom's no place for competition. Mm-hmm. Maybe friendly competition, right. Right. but not to see who's... Uh, for lack of a better word, I guess they would think is who's smarter. I'm right. smarter than you. I got better grades. Right. It's not the place right. for that. Mm-mm. No. no. Uh-uh. And, you know, you have different learners. Some kids, all they're going to be is doing skate by. But that doesn't mean they're not intelligent. You just haven't tapped into their ability and whatever it is that they're interested in. My sister will never learn math. Mm. Yeah, she's very smart. My sister's extremely smart, but for some reasons, numbers, she just can't figure it out. Right. But, man, can you imagine what her life was like for 12 years? Mm-hmm. Going into college, more math classes for someone who's just smart. She studies, she works hard, but just can't figure it out. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I, it's, there's so many things that we can talk about in terms of education. Just how the system itself is, is set up. Uh, for example, the makeup of Hamilton is different than the makeup of, let's say, Williamstown. What do you think of the makeup of Hamilton? Strangely enough, when I first got there, um, I didn't know what to think of it. You know, people call it the bubble, right? <laughs> <I gotta laughs> oh, get, no doubt. Get no doubt. The bubble. Um, but it has a very unique, distinct characteristic, which I love about it. Um, it, 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 it it's a big community, and everyone's kind of tied into that community. There's a lot of pride that's going in there. Um, I think the only thing that probably hurts it is its actual physical location, because um, it's like... I don't want to say it's in the middle of nowhere. From an education standpoint, if I'm trying to hire teachers, I can't find a lot of people that want to go into education in that particular area. Oh, wow. I never thought about (laughs) that. So the pool's real small, whereas you're closer to the cities and Cherry Hills and all that stuff. There's probably a bigger pool of of students to grab from. The location itself is... Teachers, okay, I haven't been to all this, uh, of the different schools. I've only been to ECEC, and I've been there many, many times as, uh, for meetings, for my own uh, children. Um, they are amazing there. Mm. The positivity that I feel from those teachers in that meeting is in those meetings, mm. it is real. And uh, I think other teachers from afar need to know that because I think it's worth coming in town for that kind of you oh, know absolutely. environment. In terms of you know, I didn't, I wasn't raised in Hamilton. They they you know kind of embraced me and they took me in and um, you know it's definitely a great place to to work. You know, and they let you teach hip hop. They, they let me. Uh, actually, they didn't. <laughs> they gave when I first started teaching. I had the TV media curriculum, uh-huh. and, they, and I, this is before I stepped foot in the classroom. You know, I had to write the curriculum myself oh. and teach it myself. So they kind of gave me free reign. That's to, awesome to do it and develop the program. So I mean, there's there's room for that in certain areas. Um, but even within the curriculum, the great what makes a great teacher is be able to take that and and make it fun for the kids you know what I mean that's the artistry of, of teaching and they're, they're going to learn because they want to be there and, they, and that's how you get you know I'm your favorite teacher blah 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 years later right. you know, Mr. Such and Such from third grade and all that stuff it's a personality thing um, and sometimes it doesn't work some kids you know it's oil and water sometimes and you yeah. have to figure out a way to, to get that that's why I tell people there's just so many variables mm-hmm. and you have to be you have to be able to mold your your skill set mm-hmm. to whatever classroom that comes in yep. you said it, artistry mm-hmm. and you're it absolutely is. right it's an it art um, do you ever see the movie uh, Waiting for Superman I did do you remember when that one man said that watching a good teacher do something amazing is like watching Jordan slam yeah. from the free throw yeah. or something like that yeah. I feel the same, same way, way. 
Yeah, yeah. The bad part about it is, I look at it as we have 180 days to save this kid's life at the end of the day because they're going to move on to somebody else after they've left my grade or whatever. So 180 days is a short period of time in the grand scheme of things. So I approach every single day, even as a principal now, I approach it every single day. Like, I only have this amount of time with this time. So what So what do you do with that time? I love that about you. Right. What so do you do? I'll start by, one, developing. To me, education is more about relationship building than anything else from a teacher's standpoint. So I have to develop a relationship with them. So in the beginning, I'm learning, well, that one likes Spider-Man or that one likes Wonder Woman or that one likes to read a lot. That one likes to whatever. So I'll put myself in situations to learn from those kids. Then I'm using that as one in motivational tool, engagement tool. Um, once I've built that relationship, now I can move you over here and we can learn and talk about that. And it becomes a safe place for them to, yeah. to make mistakes. So that's another big thing is you have to uh, create a, a safe environment for them to make mistakes. I'm actually I actually want that to happen. I want you to be uncomfortable because mm. that's where growth is. Right. So if you even think about it from the physical nature, uh, when you were born, babies come out crying because there's it's uncomfortable to them. They're teething. They're crying because it's un- growth. Must happens. be terrible. Must be <laughs> but terrible. That's where growth happens <laughs> yeah. in those moments that they're uncomfortable. So I always will create try to create an environment safe environment where the student feels a little bit uncomfortable whether I'm pushing them beyond levels that they ever thought they would be like you know when they were doing multiplication when they never thought they could do Um, but I'm always trying to find situations where they kind of feel uncomfortable part of the reason I do podcasts with the kids put a microphone in front of them oh yeah you see them wheezing and they you know oh not just the kids the adults too (laughs) (laughs) but when they come out of that experience, mm. like, I can do this, and you never know where it will take them. Yeah, you never know. No, never know. But you have 180 days to create those opportunities for them. That's so cool, man. So that's that's it's really really interesting. Let's talk about because you run and operate a school, which is different than teaching. It's two sides of the game almost. Like talk about the operations of a school and how did you. Uh, is that a comfortable space for you? Or are you more the person that, like, I like just to teach? There, you know, there's two different sides to this. Right. So I'm definitely not a paperwork guy. Mm. I would mess that thing up, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I think most of my clients, uh, most of the parents know there's a Miss Lisa question and there's a Mr. Sam yeah. question. Billing, all that stuff, that's Miss Lisa. I can't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like, I'm in front of the kids. Mm. Uh, I don't just teach, you know, I also give tours. Mm. Um, I also, I mean, f- the podcast, that's part of, uh, you know, me advertising who I am right. to the town because uh, the town didn't know me when I came in and I'm trying to do everything I can to let them know that uh, I want what's best for all the kids of Hamilton. Uh, so I do a lot of things. Lisa does a lot of things and we got this yin and yang thing going. Um, I used to tell my principals growing up when I used to teach, I used to tell them, I'd be like, there's no way I would ever want your job. There's no <laughs> way I could do it because they're at, they're at the end of the line. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, okay, if, if my, if I had a parent who was very upset, which didn't happen often, but if it did happen, I could, I knew I always had the principal I could send them to. Yep. <laughs> you got to talk to my boss. There's nobody yeah, now. Yeah. I am the end of the yeah, line. The end of the line. Yeah. Yeah. And, to me, um, people ask me that all the time, like, how does that feel? I'm like, every decision that I make is for what I think is best for the kids mm. at the end of the day. All of them. So I'm not only just thinking about that one kid that's in my office. I'm thinking about all 180 of them. My decision right now can impact 
I feel like you could answer my questions for me. You've got the same answers <laughs> I do, man. That's exactly what I say. Even if it's a really, it does, like I said, it doesn't happen often. But if there's something that's not going to be easy, all I think is like, look, Sam, you're doing whatever's best for the kids, so feel good about it. Yep, I'm going to sleep at night knowing that I did the best I could with the spirit of I'm helping these these kids. It yes. may not work. It might fail. I might make the wrong decision, but my heart is yes. is in the right spot. It's all about intent. What, what's your intention? Absolutely. So let's transition over to the podcast since you mentioned that. Like, You're talking about the Pillars of Hamilton? Yes, the Pillars of Hamilton. Pillars of Hamilton. You can check that out on Podbean, right? You Podbean, Podbean, iTunes, uh, probably chrome i don't even know oh, man we're out there exactly. all over and we have a fan page if you want to check that out on facebook absolutely absolutely um where did the idea come from well it actually came from doing it with the the campers okay. uh, i love podcasts mm-hmm. uh like i say uh, self-educated like most of it came from when i was on the trains in, in the subway in new york city mm-hmm. it's either look at the person's armpit next to me or have my face in a book okay. and that's when i started reading constantly every day and listening to podcasts when i'm walking on the street all day long, I am learning and learning and learning. So after years of that, I don't know, I just thought like maybe I could do a show with the kids. Mm. And I did. Mm. And we had so much fun, man. Mm. Um, but what also happened was every now and then a parent would come and I'd have a reason to say, hey, you want to come on the Camp Tuscaloosa podcast? Mm. I was like, you know, these podcasts with adults mm. are... Um, I'm getting a lot out of this. Like, I feel like they're getting a lot out of it. Uh, I am as well. I'm learning about them. I'm learning more about the town. Mm. Maybe I can keep going with this. Yeah. And so I, I looked for some really popular people in town, did like f- f- four or five recordings, sent them out there. And before you know it, it's like, I would have been happy if like five or 10 people <laughs> listen. My, like maybe my mom, my dad. Uh, it turned into like suddenly like 100, sometimes up to 400 for one of them are listening yeah. to these conversations. And um, I'm getting so much from it, like being able to talk to the most interesting, important, special people in town, Mm -hmm. getting to talk to you. I got so much from that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, This has been the coolest hobby of all time. It's it's pretty, pretty fun and it's not difficult to do. Um, the space of podcast land though is very crowded right now. Too. I know so, it's so oversaturated. Yeah, so you have to find your niche. You got to find you know your audience, your core audience, and then you just kind of build it you know from there. I'm not trying to make millions. I'm not trying to make a dollar even. Uh-huh. Uh, all I'm trying to do is talk to the people of Hamilton and let the rest of Hamilton learn about them. Right. Um, and I think uh, my audience, I think I've been finding my audience. Mm. And uh, I, every, anytime someone comes up to me, I'm like, really? You're listening to this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to me just it's talk? Weird, right? It's weird, right? Yeah. In fact, someone came up to me the other day and told me that she approached you about her uh, your podcast. You know how many people see, said something to me? How many that? people? I, probably, I would say at least 15 to 20, <laughs> including students. Oh, I had a student the other day. He's like, Mr. Joe, I, I listened to your podcast the other day. I was like, oh, okay. How does it to- feel to you when someone says that? Um, at, at first it was kind of like, really? Like, like, <laughs> like really? And then now, it's, I mean, it's to the point now, it's just like, uh, you know, I appreciate the fact that they're, they're listening and I appreciate the fact that they got something out of whatever, you know, my I, story. Okay, I'm in this weird place right now, though, <laughs> where I appreciate it so much, but then I'll talk to someone, I'll have a conversation and there's only so many things I can say, so many, like, words that come to my mouth, so many stories, and I find myself talking about something with somebody and thinking to myself, wait a minute, 
They've probably already heard me say this they, three times already, before. Already. Yeah, so I try to flip it and say that, you know, because I believe everybody has a story of some sort, right? And I'm like, you, you have a story. You need to you get your voice out there. Somebody's going to learn from your life on some level somehow. And a lot of people say, I'm not interested. In oh, that. I know. But you have a story. Like, you know, the simple fact that you are living and existing somewhere, you have a story that someone can learn from. Um, Do they tell you? They always tell me. They say, oh, I'm boring. I'm not, I'm not interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that all, all the, the time. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but, I, I wouldn't ask you if you're not interesting. <laughs> right. That's funny. But um, doing this, I've met so many awesome people um, from, you know, across the, the country. And, you know, and it's just not only hearing their stories, but you also begin to network and you begin to develop certain things. And, and that's why the Empowerment Perspective gets into so many different things because, you know, these people that we're, we're just meeting and talking to. Let me tell you something. I'm so glad I can segue into this. I, if I wouldn't have said this, I would have been very upset. So I might have to call upon you for some advice because uh, as a seasoned author, journalist maybe, uh, I have been called upon for journalism, yes. sir. Yes. Yes. Uh, this is like a dream come true because I also thought about doing journalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gina and Gabe from the Hamilton Gazette mm-hmm. messaged me and they said they want the pillars of parenting once a month. Yes. <laughs> that is so awesome. So awesome. So once a month, uh, my wife and I will write an article as best we can yeah. about, you know, maybe a parenting tip or, you know, just let them know our perspective on it all. And uh, then we like, plug the show. You know, you know what's so funny right now? Because I was going to segue into you, your fatherhood because it's one of the big topics that I like to talk about being a parent and being a father. So I kind of feel like the more and more we talk, we kind of are the same way. We're just, it's yeah, so just working. It's crazy. <laughs> so, um, you know, you know my story and everything. So I take, you know, my role as a parent very, very serious because, you know, my father specifically was not in my life for a long time period of time so it's really really important to me um but now i'm having i'm at the age where a lot of people are starting young men are starting to think about having families and they come to me for advice and say well what do you, you know, how do you do this thing and you know i tell them all the time not this there's not really a book that i could recommend you specifically um i believe in that you as long as you develop some core values that you won't you know break from um and stick to those things it, it, fatherhood kind of works itself out if your values are intact when your values aren't intact and that's when you know it becomes difficult for for you so let's talk about i know for me the moment i became a father and i remember bringing home my oldest daughter right? we sat in that living room me and my wife looked at um my daughter and my wife was like i can't believe they let me bring her home and then i looked at her and i was like what do we do now <laughs> I guess that's where it all kind of started. Let's take it back to that moment when you mm. brought your first child home. Um, and what was that feeling? Okay. That's not the moment I remember more than this moment, which came shortly after. The moment Lisa said, Sam, I need to go in the shower. And uh, you're gonna, I'm going to leave you here with Jaden. And I was alone. And I'm standing over Jaden just... Come on, keep breathing. Just keep breathing. Everything's okay. Don't cry. Don't cry. It's gonna be okay. But he's not crying. Oh, Sam, calm down. That's what that was like for me. Just like that's crazy. Here I am, four kids in, and I'm just like, all right, that fell on the ground. Just gonna take it. It's kind of weird how like that first your first child, like you go over the top and everything. Yeah. And here comes number two, and it's kind of like, all right. I feel bad for number two. You'll figure it out. It'll be fine and everything like that. Yeah. It's just it's. 
it's really really interesting and then my daughter was born in December like around Christmas time and we had just moved in uh, I think we were a year a little less than a year and here so we had no money to give each other gifts or whatever and I remember we had this big stocking and we kind of put Simone in the stocking and that was like our gift to each other that, that particular Christmas day um, but like I said the, the value system is really really important it, what would you say your core let's say three values as a father would be <sighs> heavy one I know I oh know. man okay my number one is always be there for them no matter what absolutely um, here's the thing is that there, like we said before about the classroom even more so for your kids. There's so many variables. Mm-hmm. I mean, and for people asking advice, it's like, well, look, Dr. D- Dr. Josie over here has two daughters. I guarantee you his house is a lot different no. than when I just had my three boys. Absolutely. You know, different dynamic. There's no perfect way of doing any, ev- anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to get different challenges than I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. Your challenges might be tougher. Mine might be tougher. Right. But no matter what, till the very end, till the last day I am here, I am there for my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, that's value number one. And hopefully I pass it down onto them so they're that way with their kids and, um, you know, maybe with their old old mom and dad one day. Absolutely. That, Absolutely. My mom was always there for me mm-hmm. and my dad. And I wasn't always the easiest teenager. By <laughs> far. I had my own, you know, depression and being right. uh, rebellious. And um, I wasn't nice to them. Right, right. And I'm sure other parents could, uh, they could have very easily been like, fine, Sam, just go, go. you know? But uh, no, they stuck it through and I thank them every day. That's interesting. Oh, yeah, that's this. I think, you know, being there for your kids, obviously, is a a huge, huge one. Um, Spending time with them is is really a big one, too. Um, What really blew my mind, because I have daughters, uh, somebody older gentleman had said, you do realize that you're the first man that they will ever know. Mm. And once I got that mentality in my head, I said, well, I need to set the example for what, you know, quote unquote manhood is supposed to going to look like. Oh, did that really change you? It completely changed the way, you know, I saw not only my own daughters, but how I saw every other female like walking around. Like, right. You know, yeah, my wife, my wife told me, she read your book and she loved it. Okay. Yeah. yeah and, it's and just weird, man. And it's completely, until that person said that, like I just kind of was still in my mood. Like me and my wife, we've been together since middle school. So, and we were, I ain't going to say like partiers like out of control, but we would be going on Thursday. I would look on the computer or catch this flight to New Orleans. We'll be there for the weekend. We'll come back. And like this used to do that. We used to do that. So but then my wife becomes pregnant and then she slows down. But I'm still in go mode. Oh, really? I'm still it still was all about me Mm. until that person said that to me. And I was like, you know what? I need to pull back the brakes. I need to figure this thing out. So do you find yourself ever like itching to like do that young stuff again? Oh, all the time. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> the part of, you know, the time perspective we go travel and speak and, and do things. Um, I still want to so go, go and do that, but I'm working. You're making it work. Yeah, making it work. Yeah, I still find my fun too. Yeah. Absolutely. You have to find still a sense of who you are. And I felt like it was a period of time like I was losing a sense of who I was. Like, you know, I would mm. have to be, you know, a husband to my wife, which I'm still trying to figure out to this day. And yeah. then uh, I had to be the father to the kids. These are two different people, right? And, uh, who are always sense. changing. They're always changing. But that wasn't never part of my core who I was before <laughs> it. So it was like I had to navigate this new me, you know what I mean? And kind of still find 
myself within all of that. So this is where podcast stuff come from and all the things that I, I, I do. And all the partying and, and whatever it is you did before, I'm sure you learned so much from oh, that. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's I'm glad I did it, got it out of my system. But at the right. end of the day, I look back at as much money I, I wasted and all I got is some pictures. <laughs> you, know you got memories? I got you remember? memories. Basically... <laughs> I would never do it now because it doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm into building memories for my kids and Mm. families and things. Like, to me, that's way more... Well, yeah, if you were still trying to build those kind of memories, you'd kind of, you'd be a loser, yeah, man. Like, yeah. you ever if see people like that, it's like, no, you know, you got to live for your kids mm-hmm. now and, and find a love for that. Find the fun in that. Right. Of course, live, do your own thing, have your own hobbies. Um, but yeah, the, the, having a, a selfish outlook on parenting, right. you shouldn't be parents. Yeah. Um, so what, whatever you're doing, man, it's really impressive. I think your story, how I know it's not over, but the chapter that you're in right now is beautiful. It is. It's weird, though, because it's like, and then I, I equate this to some of my students, too. Like, they say the student that went through trauma, right, has gone through trauma. What they'll do is they'll go into the classroom and disrupt it because that's what they're used to. They know how to navigate trauma in that area. So they're going to create something that they're used to. So, you know, for me, it was like, this new life right now and family and everybody's healthy and everything's calm and quiet. It's like, this is weird. <laughs> I'm not used Are you like waiting for something? I'm, or I'm like... always waiting for the ball to drop. Oh. Yeah, that's my wife all the time. You know, you're like, you got to change your mindset. I'm always thinking the negative because that's what I was used to. I know how to navigate that. Yeah, you got this beautiful thing now. Like, uh-huh. That's the thing about having something so wonderful and beautiful is that fear mm-hmm. of like one day it could go away, you know? And I got to take moments to sit back and like I'm really enjoying this. Like this is kind of cool. Like last night we had every Friday, and you probably see it on Facebook, I usually, me and my daughter have time. We'll go to the football game and take Friday selfies yeah. and that stuff. Yeah. It was too cold last night, so we had a card night and my wife joined us the, uh, for our Friday selfie fun thing. And I kind of, we took the picture and I kind of looked back, everybody's playing cards, and I was just like, this is awesome. Yeah. Like before, Friday night, I'm out, we partying, flying, whatever, but I said, this is, this the dog came in, cats came in, like family was just, yeah. like, this is what it's about. Like, you know, I had a moment uh, a couple of years ago where I was thinking back to when I used to have this routine, you know, you have this routine, going to bed routine, you, uh-huh. you take out this action figure, this toy, you say goodbye, you sing a song or two. Usually they want the same songs. At least my kids mm-hmm. did. And it would, by the end of it with Jaden, I was just like, oh, again, not again. And then a couple of years later, I remembered like, God, I really miss that. I wish I could do it one more time. So I never have that feeling anymore. You know what's eerie right now? You uh-huh. said your son's name's Jaden. Yeah. My youngest daughter's name is Jaden. Yeah, yeah, I, I knew that. <laughs> I know. Is, isn't that crazy? How much more are we going to figure out, man? <laughs> it's crazy. crazy. What are you bald too? Hey, we're both bald. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But I think it's really nice that you got that article going and uh, you, so you and your wife are going to be writing it together. Yeah, that's what we're going to have to figure out. Yeah. Like, it's going to be from both of us. We're going to have to figure out how to make that work because we have very different styles. Mm-hmm. But hopefully we can get a yin and yang yeah. thing going for that, that as well. That would be interesting. I'd yeah. love to see just that because you say you have different styles and obviously different perspectives. But yeah. it works, though. 
Yeah, and that's another thing. Different perspectives. How are we going to write an article if we both have different perspectives? But that might be the beauty of it, right? So you have the two different perspectives on this one particular topic. Right. So that's why I might have to reach out to you or someone who's <laughs> ever had to like write with someone else and put into a format two different it's, voices. It's parenting, though, right? So a situation might happen with my kids. I may see it as not a big deal, but my wife might be completely... <laughs> oh. you know, so we have to navigate and figure out you know which route do we take? Sometimes I gotta fall back, and because you know my, you met my wife. Dude, wait, I, I, I got a question. I don't know yeah. if you want to answer this. Answer. How how often do you fall back? What percentage of the time do you fall back? I'm gonna say about ninety. Ninety five percent, I definitely okay. fall back. <laughs> so to me, a, a lot of the stuff in the grand scheme of things, it mm. doesn't matter. You, know, you stand I, forward on the ones that matter. Right. And I know that my wife's not going to make a decision that's going to hurt my family. So, uh, you know, I may not agree with the perspective or her approach on certain things, but at the end of the day, she's going to do what she thinks is best. It's not going to hurt. You know, mm-hmm. there's more than one way to skin a cat. So it's like, okay. <laughs> right, man. Uh, I'll let you. you know, but if there's something that I truly, truly believe in and happens here and there, I'll stand, stand up and be like, I know, we're not doing it. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll do this. Yeah. Instead. But, um, and from the outside, the funny thing is, people call my wife the alpha in the house. And, you know, she's always making decisions and things. But at the end of the day, if I really wanted to, something <laughs> to happen, <laughs> hold it down. It would, it would happen. But, yeah. You know, and, it, you know, it's a yin and yang thing, too. I mean, you know, it's like any organization, if you take out you shouldn't have just one leader in an organization. Right. right. You take out the one leader, then the organization's falling apart. So, mm. God forbid something happens to one of us, the family unit still functions. Because so, so, going back to what you were asking me about before, how I run it at my school, mm-hmm. and, and that's how I do it, is that we have a lot of leaders there. Um, yeah, I'm the boss. Mm-hmm. You know, what I say goes. Um, but I put much of the decision making into the hands of the teachers because I trust them. Mm. If I didn't trust them, I wouldn't hire them. Yeah. Okay. Um, they are amazing. And first and foremost, they love the kids. Mm. You have to, if yeah, you're absolutely. at my school. Absolutely. That's the number one thing I look for in, in the teachers, passion and your love for kids. Yeah. I can teach you how to teach. That's not a problem. I yeah. can't teach your passion and your care for kids. Um, so anybody that's interested in going to the education field, to me, it's about relationship building, your love for kids and, you know, your, you need to be, Self, a selfless, like it's not about you, you know, it's about somebody else, and it's so important. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you are literally shape. I, I'm. I think we talked about this before. You hear from your former students who are in their twenties mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. as do I, mm-hmm. and it feels good. You were a part of that. They're doing well now, and you know, I'm actually gonna be on a podcast of one of my former students. Get out of here! <laughs> full <laughs> like circle, say, really full circle there. So it's it's interesting. Um, so. What do you think are the, the core characteristics of uh, someone that wants to... Actually, no, let's go back. If somebody wants to open a school similar to yours, like what, do you, what are some of the pitfalls that they, may, they might need to be worried about? Like What were some of your growing pains and, and the development? <laughs> well, you're asking a very specific case because I, I, I moved into a school in Hamilton, New mm-hmm. Jersey. Mm-hmm. Hamilton... Uh, is not the most welcoming of places. Once you're in, you're you in. you are in. Yeah. You will have people have your back. They will love you. It's unlike anything else. Absolutely. But also, getting in is unlike anything else. And when you are taking over a school from Miss Dina, who is a le- 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 legend mm. in Hamilton, New Jersey, mm. and you're watching everyone's kids, mm. you have eyeballs on you. 
you have rumors said about you. Of course. Man, oh man, I was finding out rumors when I would go to the doctor's office. <laughs> like, oh, I heard you're going to take the fun out of the school. What? Fun is my thing. <laughs> you know, uh, seeing stuff written on Facebook that I, I can never unsee, you know, and I'm a sensitive dude. So it was like my wife, she was just like, Sam, they'll see our hearts. Just be quiet. But me, I'm just like, oh, I'm falling apart. Um, but little by little... Just uh, keep showing them your heart, showing mm. them the results of the students. Mm. Um, I think I think I'm in now. Do you know what the mayor called me that? on the podcast? He said I'm a Hamiltonian. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's official. It is official, official now, right there. But we worked hard, man, and um, so that's in Hamilton. Mm. Oh, so what did I do? I got myself out there. And for anyone who as uh, I can't speak for someone who opens a school in a big city. Mm. Let me talk about people who are going to open a school or take over a school in a small town. Let the town know who you are. Mm -hmm. If you are about the kids, they will see it. Um, I'm out there. I'm not making any money. I'm spending my own money to bring the wheel out and give out prizes at the Halloween parade. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be spending six hours dressed up as an elf (laughs) at Main Street uh, at Anada's. Make sure you guys see me there. I'll have the wheel. Um, You know, uh, from being Maui and acting like a goofball to going into the public school and telling a a big story or Mm -hmm. something. Get yourself out there. Um, Make yourself as available as you can to the parents who need you Mm. and be ready for it to be a 24 hour seven thing. Mm. Um, Especially if you have kids and it's really 24 hours, seven days a week. And the big thing I think you said too, is that the criticism, people are going to criticize it. People are going to, you know, say things Mm. and it's, it's part of the territory. Because people don't like change. And when you change things that they're on that, you know, people are scared of what they don't know. But at the same time, doctor, Every time now when I hear a compliment mm. or someone say something great about my staff or what we're doing there, I think I feel it tenfold mm. because of what I went through those first couple of years. I believe transparency is a big part of that. You ever seen the movie 8 Mile before? With uh, Eminem? Eminem right? I've never seen it. Just like scenes from it. So at the end of this movie, he um, is in this rap battle with this one guy. And the guy has all this information that he's going to use against Eminem. But Eminem decided to just tell every bad thing about himself that the guy couldn't even say anything at the end of this battle. Like, he was completely transparent. He's like, yeah, I am this, I am that. And he ended up winning because he was so transparent. And I feel like, and that's kind of the mode that I take with people and everything. Like, this is who I am. Like, you either going to accept it or not accept it. Anything else beyond this is made up. Like, you, I gave you every bad thing. Part of the reason I wrote the book is... I've exposed myself to everybody. You sure <laughs> did, man. I love it. <laughs> this I, is it. I think it's amazing. Right? So you, once you get past that, and then people see your genuine heart and things and, and that nature, everything else kind of just flows from from there. So even from an organizational standpoint, I'm quick to tell people, like, here's where our deficiencies are. I'm going to be honest with you. This is what we need to work on and fix. I know this. We're going to work on it, but... Here's also some good things, the wonderful things that we're doing too, as well. So, I, you know, my door is always open. I'm transparent with my students. I'm transparent with my parents. Mm. And you know what's beautiful about that? Is that it trickles down too. Mm. It trickles down to your students who then feel like, well, if Dr. Demiso can. Uh, be imperfect and show go out there and act like silly Hulk or whatever it is you're doing man I could too he's cool I want to do that too Uh, same thing with my students hey I'm an open book guys feel good about who you are even from like I said from an organizational standpoint I feel like that there's power in that as well like you know like I said, this is there is power in that. It's what we're about, you know, you know, we're working in the social sector. It's not going to be perfect. There's not 
you know, people. It's going to change every other day. It's going to change. So, but um, I think that's that's a huge part of it. And um, in any business, um, and I said this before, there's two different sides of it. There's the business side of it and the content side of it. So those of you going to teaching and wanting to run a school, you're probably going in to influence people and that connection with kids. But there's this business side of it that needs that attention too. So it's kind of it's, yeah. it's tough to navigate and. A yeah. lot of businesses, a lot of schools fail because the owner's caught up in content. I'm really lucky. I have Lisa, and she's really lucky mm-hmm. she has me. Can I go back to – I didn't finish that answer with the kids. Absolutely. Um, I was, And I thought about it. The two other values is uh, – and I love that you feel this way too, is that I, I want them to f- be comfortable feeling uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything great in my life, and I'm sure the same can be said for yours, comes because we faced our own fears, our, our own discomfort, and we went out and we did it, and we felt good and we learned from it. Uh, I tried that with my kids. My son has already competed in grappling tournaments where hundreds of people are watching all around. Uh, he won. A, they gave him a sword, dude. <laughs> he won first place. He got a sword. <laughs> my little five-year-old at the time. Um, they get in front. Of, uh, I, I had them get up in front of audiences if they're willing to. I don't push them. I don't want them to hate it. There's a very fine line, so people need to know. Like you don't push them. Only you push them a little, a little bit, bit. Yeah. a little bit at a time, absolutely. and if they're ready to be pushed a little bit more, push them a little right. more. Right. Um, but yeah, be uncomfortable and go out and do great things because of it. Mm. Um, and the other one is just uh, tied to that, and that's courage. Mm. Be courage. Be courageous. Right. I've I said it before. Like, I feel like I got to manufacture struggle for my kids on some level, and just so that they can be uncomfortable. So it comes in the form of sports. <laughs> it comes in mm. the form of. My daughter wanted to have a birthday party here for one of her friends. So I made her write a proposal. She was at nine at this time. So I made her write a proposal. Um. And picture the proposal. <laughs> so listen, it, it was it was like, um, I want every list itemized of everything that you want. Balloons and how much it's going to cost. So she did a little research and figured out how much balloons cost and all the stuff. I made her look into her little piggy bank and said, how much money do you have? And, you know, how much money, how much is your budget and how much do you need? And then, you know, she would ask me for, you know, X amount of dollars to compensate for, you know, the party or whatever. So she pitched the idea to me. So it was, I could see it was uncomfortable for her and she had no idea what she was doing <laughs> at first. But she wrote it and she gave me everything that I wanted. She pitched the idea and then I was going to be petty and reject it. Oh, no! <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> that's what happens in the real world. <laughs> but I didn't remember she's not. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, you know, she had the party and everything, but I find these situations where I could kind of make them feel a little uncomfortable. And oh, I'm stealing that idea. <laughs> my kids are going to write a proposal for everything, everything. from now on. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, it was to the point where she said, um, I needed like 80, she needed like $80 for whatever it cost or whatever. And I said, so where are you getting this money from? She said, you know, um, I'm asking you, you're going to give me the money, donate the money to me. I said, all right, how much, that's when the piggy bank thing came out. Then she said she had like $20 or whatever in there. So I said, all right, subtract that 20 off the 80. So there's math in there. So now it's $60 you really want me to do. I said, but it was, the money she was asking was more than what was on the list. And I said, wait, you there's ten dollars that it's not accounted for over here. I said, I'm not giving that to you. You need you said you need this, so I'm gonna give you this. And then I then I said, um, you're gonna pay me back with interest. She said, Daddy's a donation. 
No, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> I love this back and forth. Back it's like forth. she's trying to get an extra 10. You yeah. got her. But well, I do that with my kids all the time. Like, if, if I find something that they're interested in, I'll take it to the next level. Like, my daughters are into slime really, really bad. Of course they are. So, we went to Boston to the slime convention. Wait, that's a thing. It's a thing. All right. Slime convention. <laughs> so, you go up there, they're selling slime, you're making slime, trading slime, and everything. But I told her, you're going to go up there with the idea that you're going to create your own slime convention down here. So she interviewed the uh, owner and talked to her and, you know, got the idea of what this slime convention looks like. She wants to do one down here. Oh, because they're interesting slime. I said, well, let's turn this into a learning experience, kind of make you feel uncomfortable. Now you got to go talk to the owner. Could you do these things when they were my kid's age, like six and four? It's probably, it was on a smaller scale. Okay. You know, I just try to find their interests, right? And just try to... How do you get them in the car? If you've got a good one for that, bro. <laughs> I cannot get my four kids in the car. Well, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that one because I have a hard time getting my wife in the car. She's, she's the one that's always, always... Me good. too. Yes. All of <laughs> like, them. What are you doing? All right. I, there's no... Yeah. I'm here for an hour. Yeah. Watch the whole movie in here. Uh, I think um, what I do in the morning with my kids till we leave... I set the alarm and the alarm has a timer on it. So I don't say 60 seconds and the alarm, the house gets shut up. So I'm like, all right, listen, you hear the beeping, we're out of here. So now they're scrambling. At least you got them out the door. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Step good. one complete. Get them out the door. <laughs> and then once they're out there. And Are they still in car seats? I don't even know if you nah, need. Nah, they're good with that. Yeah, I cannot wait. Oh, that's the best thing. Oh, uh, car seats are terrible. Oh my gosh. We got four of them <laughs> all going right now. Oh, no, so much better. And just get in the car, put the seatbelt on. We go. And we're out of here, man. <laughs> so um, where can people find out? information about one the podcast and then read school okay so well over the web and uh definitely go to i don't even read preschool.com maybe that's at least a question <laughs> google us read preschool there's a whole 12 minute video you'll get to see everything we do there um so if you want to find out about our school check that out we have a totally open door policy we love people coming in and checking out what we do of course it has to be by appointment uh we don't let just anyone walk in <laughs> you know but um come on in uh you'll love it and uh um, I think your kids will too. Also, if you would like to hear my new, this is you know I just started podcasting, right? Really? This is so new for me. Awesome. So uh, this you is like a veteran. Feel like. like <laughs> so <next>. crazy. <laughs> no, I am an I'm a rookie. Yeah, um, but if you want to hear me and the great great people of Hamilton, listen to us on the Pillars of Hamilton. I hope to hear you there and definitely. Uh, uh, like me on Facebook. Why not? I'm so bad at this stuff, man. I heard you going over your list at the beginning of this podcast. I'm like, this is what I am definitely not doing. Yeah. yeah. My house falling. Crash. It always happens on podcasts. <laughs> um, but I definitely appreciate you taking the time out Saturday morning, coming down and, and chatting with me. Um, you know, I think you've got some wonderful things going on down there in Hamilton. Um, I'm hoping that it's not going to just stop there. I think well, you're, you're no, it will not. I'm, I'm going to be thinking of ideas for me and you to team up. We're going to be doing things in the future. For Absolutely. sure, brother. Absolutely. Sounds good. Um, so, again, for those of you who are following us, um, you can obviously follow us uh, follow us on the EmpowermentPerspective.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, um, all of those wonderful places. Uh, don't forget, December 7th, we have that toy drive going on. Um, hit me up on EmpowermentPerspective.com. Hit the contact uh, button. Send me an email if you're interested in donating an unwrapped toy. Uh, we're all about helping people. Um, if you didn't get an invite to the... Um, 
Christmas party, make sure you hit me up as well. That's going to be a great event um, that we have. And we have a live podcast there. We talk about Christmas memories and all that stuff and and giving back to the communities. Um, Also, uh, we are donating um, food for Thanksgiving. So if you're interested in donating in that, we can make that happen as well. Um, I did forget to mention that in July, um, Stanger Avenue Community Day, Power Perspectives will be out there. We're going to do a block party, health screening, health screenings, um, you know, volunteer, firefighter, um, recruitment things, um, wonderful things out there. Innovative schools, we're coming San Antonio in November. Um, we'll be in Atlanta in June, I believe. Uh, I don't know. We might pop up at your house next week if you're listening. Who knows? So um, shout out to my man, Kareem Spence. We're working on our presentation with Jamie Roberts uh, for the Innovative School Summit. So shout out to them as well. Um, and until next time, stay empowered.